It's a nice day out there, and you came to church. I'm glad you did. Oh, lots of things uh, on my heart today, and um, I know lots of things on yours, and I think that's a good thing. It softens us up, um, gets us ready to hear from God. But if you're visiting with us today, just want to let you know um, of something that you might encounter. Um, and if you're listening online, um, it's a good kind of an introduction into the way we feel about God around here. Um, basically, what we believe is that uh, when we get to this, this place in our life, where we're sitting in a pew or we're sitting still for a, a short amount of time or even 30, 40 minutes, um, which can seem like an eternity for some of you, I know. Um, 50. Who said 50? <laughs> okay, 50. Um, but when, you, when you're sitting in this pew for a little bit and you've, you've kind of had such a crazy week or you've had a ridiculous time with, with the hospital, with your finances, with maybe an addiction, with a relationship, with something that's completely out of your control financially. Um, some of you, you've got some, some situations right now that you come to me with, and it just I just break my heart. I have no idea what, what to tell you. I really don't. And then I remember, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do know what to tell you. If you came today and you're in a place that just seems irreparable, it just seems like you're, you're completely at a loss for what to do next, you don't know who to go to, you don't know what kind of, what kind of solution is next, you are in the right place today, but only if you get your heart right to hear from God. Because here's, here's what I mean by that. Everything in our life, all the things that is going on in your life right now, creates this noise. You know that feeling that you get when you're in the car um, and, and the kids start talking and you turn up the radio because the kids are talking in the back seat, so the radio gets turned up, and then the radio's turned up so the kids talk louder, <laughs> and then the kids talk are talking louder so you turn up the radio more, and pretty soon the radio's at 10 and the kids are at 15, you know, on the decimal level. And everybody's yelling and nobody can hear anything, and it happens slowly. It happens really gradually. And here's what God has said about that in your life, because it happens to all of us. And here's what God has said. He said, he could if he wanted to, if everything in your life is at an 11, he could be at a 15, and he could just completely wet your pants <laughs> by talking to you and by getting into your life. But he chooses instead to tell you to turn down the noise in your life so that he can speak above it. And I think that's really important today. So whatever you brought in today, you need to know I have a responsibility to share with you a word from God, but you have a responsibility too to turn down the noise in your life. And so every week we do the same thing um, where we start our sermon with a moment of just an opportunity to turn it down. Now, one thing that really helps me, and when I close my eyes in a minute, we're going to have about a minute of silence. When I close my eyes, I literally think about the knob on my radio and going to the left <laughs> and, and, and think about what it would be like to turn down the frustrations in my life. Uh, many of you know that a couple weeks ago I made an announcement here that I'm trying not to think about right now that this emotionally, I'm sort of a wreck. And if I'm not careful, that kind of that kind of trumps everything that God wants to do in this moment. Some of you are dealing with a relationship problem or a financial issue or something that will trump everything else that God wants to do right now unless you can pause. So we're going to give you one minute. Um, just <laughs> hopefully that'll do it. Um, it'll take a miracle, but God's into those. Um, so I'll give you a chance just to take one minute. If you believe in God, this is a great opportunity to take a deep breath and remember he's in charge. If you don't, still a great opportunity for you to turn down the noise in your life um, and keep your heart open to God this morning.
not a quiet of this room, God, right now, we rearrange our priorities. Even if we're not sure you're there. God, would you give a deep breath to those who are doubting your existence and remind them that even though they may not believe in you for sure, you believe in them for sure. Would you give us a deep breath today? And we'll pause. All the plans we have, all the ideas that we think are going to bring us the peace and hope and joy, we put them all on pause. Just suspend all of those things that we think we know. And pray that you would say something to us. And For me, it doesn't happen verbally. I've never heard your voice, but I... I, I unmistakably, if I can get quiet enough, I, I get an unmistakable nudge in your direction. Would you do that for us today? And we'll listen. And we'll move. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. So um, with my announcement a couple weeks ago that, uh, that this September will be my last here, um, you need to know the way I'm going to preach. I'm just going to tell you right straight now. I got like five left. <laughs> and I'm going to hit it really, really hard with the things. I'm not preaching a sermon series to end this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to pick out things I want to say to you as I walk away from this place um, and leave you with. And I, I, I thought about it. I prayed about what series it would be. And I couldn't pick one. So I decided to just cherry pick the whole thing and do what I think God's um, putting on my heart. So today I'm, I'm preaching a sermon um, that comes right from my heart and right from my life. Um, and, and honestly, just to be as honest as I can this morning, right from some of your lives. As I've been praying with you and going through some things with some of you, um, I believe this is something that God's laid on my heart. If you're visiting with us today, um, I just want to, uh, to give you a deep breath today. If you're, uh, if you're not sure you believe this or if somebody kind of drug you in here, um, just, just, uh, just hang back a minute because this is going to be a good thing. Um, for you to get to hear today. Whether you believe in God or not, whether you're kind of kicking the tires on this thing, um, I think this might give you some perspective today. And it starts um, from, from a story that, uh, that, that happened this 4th of July. My son's birthday was the 1st of July, and so we celebrated on July 1st um, with all the fireworks and everything, which actually turned out to be a really good thing because it just rained all weekend, and July 4th wasn't very good. But July 1st um, was Friday night. It was beautiful great weather, and um, we had this, this party, and my, my son Reese had decided this year for his eighth birthday that he was going to make an agenda for the day, and that he would, he actually, he, he made an agenda of all the things he wanted to do on his birthday, and he made copies of it, and he passed it out to the whole family, because all the family was involved, so we all had co- Reese's birthday agenda, what he wanted to do, and, and it started with um, going to, uh, it started with going to the mall, um, we ate at his favorite restaurant, we went to Build-A-Bear, got him a little Star Wars stuffed animal, um, we, he got him a, uh, a new drone, you know, a remote-controlled drone um, with some of his birthday money, we played home run derby in the front yard as a family, we played uh, cornhole as a family, um, and then we ended the night with fireworks, and it was like, I mean, it was like epic day for Reese, you know, best eight-year-old birthday you can imagine. And every year around 4th of July, I say the same thing to Reese. And every year he goes by Walmart or he goes by Target and he sees those displays of fireworks. You know how they, I mean, you know, they put them at just the right height for your eight-year-old to go, ah, I want that, you know. But I've been around these fireworks enough to know that I have a problem with fireworks. 
I don't know if, men, if you've got this problem with me, but I can't spend $20 on fireworks. You just, I can't. I, I'm either going to not spend anything or it's going to be 400 bucks. I mean, like, boom. And now that I've got kids, I can't do it. I just can't spend it. My, my wife would just kill me. So for me, it's like, all right, buddy, you can buy some of those snaps, you know, those things that are just ridiculous, and sparklers. So up until this year, Reese has, that's been Reese's fireworks experience, really. And every year around the 4th of July, um, he'll say, Dad, can we get some fireworks? And I don't have the heart to say, because I know what it feels like. Yeah, I want it too. You know, I want the mortars. I want the big stuff, you know, the $30 a piece deals. But I say the same thing. Yes, we can get fireworks. And then we go to the fireworks store, and he's such a good kid. But we go, and we buy the snaps and the sparklers, and I spend 10 bucks, and we're out of there. And I'm like, Risha gave me a $10 bill and no debit card, you know, to go. So that was all we could get. And we have 4th of July, and hey, it's time for fireworks, and we light the stuff, and it's woohoo, you know, sparks and whatever. And this year, on Reese's agenda, was fireworks. And there was something about that moment with Reese as an 8-year-old where he had had enough history with fireworks and his dad and what fireworks was in our house where he went, you know, I get my hopes up every year. And every year, I see the mortars, and I see the big things, and I see the explosions, and then I come home with sparklers and snaps. <laughs> now, I'm not even, I could just see all this going on in his head. I'm not even going to put it on my agenda unless we're going to do this for real. So he said, Dad, on my agenda, you'll see there's fireworks. Are we going to do fireworks? Yeah, buddy, it's going to be great. We're going to do great fireworks. And he says this, for real this time? Ooh. Risha went, what does he mean? You, you, I know exactly what he means. And so my brother happened to be in earshot, and um, my brother seems to have more of an addiction to fireworks than even I do. And he went out, I don't know how much money he spent on fireworks, but he got the, you know, the, 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 the cattails, he got the, whatever the names are of all the different things, he got all, he got a little dog that poops ashes, I don't know if you've seen that, that was ridiculous, Reese wanted one of those, um, really strange little thing, I don't know why anybody wants to watch that, but I wanted four of them, and we got them, um, <laughs> we got the sparklers, we got the snaps, but we also got the mortars, and we got Roman candles, and we got things that explode with, for no reason, and we got all this stuff, and Reese got fireworks for real and there was this moment when we got done he's laying on my lap and I said how was your day buddy and he said it was real dad <laughs> it was real and R Richard kept thinking yeah he really almost got his fingers blown off in there a couple times and the reason I want to start with that story today is because some of you have had this experience with faith right where somebody a preacher I've been here 10 years maybe a preacher has got up and told you about faith and how it can move mountains and how just a little bit can change your life. And how if you give your life to God, things will change. But then you get to Tuesday, and it's like the snaps and the sparklers. Right? You don't have to nod your head. Maybe it's happened more than once. Maybe, in fact, maybe you're here today for the first time because that's really the experience you've had with church and with God is that it's something good to talk about. Maybe it's something good to have on the shelf just in case. But the truth is when it comes to everyday life, when it comes to real things, when it comes to the bills that need to be paid, when it comes to my messes at work and my relationships at home, this is just like a sparkler. It may sound good, but, it, but in reality it's nothing. I want you to know today that I believe this thing that we've talked about here, 
this faith that you come and hope is real, if you do it the way God intends for you to do it, it's like mortars, man. It's better than you could have imagined. And, and I'd love for you to keep your heart open today. And one of the reasons people quit, one of the reasons people quit relationships with God, they quit faith, they quit sitting in an orange pew on Sundays, they quit going to church and all those things. One of the reasons people don't apply them to life is because of, of a word that is all over our world right now, and the word is suffering. They say, how can God love you? How can God be real? How can this thing be real if, if I suffer, if the people around me suffer? In fact, if you ask people, what, what's the number one reason that you have walked away from God? It will often be because of suffering, because of something awful in my life or something awful that I've seen in somebody else's life. I had to walk away from God. But listen to this. I found this on a website just recently. I've got it if you want to see it. It's an incredible website. If you ask people who believe in God, people who have the mortar kind of believe in God, who have the big fireworks, the real relationship with God, if you ask those people, how did you get here? Guess what their response is? Suffering. That somehow the thing that pushes us from God, many of us, is the very thing that takes us to God. And not just to the sparkler and snaps God, but to the relationship, to the thing that changes how we live our lives, to the thing that brings us the hope, the peace, and joy that the big screen TV and the 4x4 could not bring us. The very same thing that pushes some people away actually draws people often to God. I believe it surrounds this thing today that I want to talk about and I want to leave you with. And this is real simple. It's a real simple thought today. Um, and it comes from, from a lot of different stories in the Bible, but one of my favorites is that a, a rich guy came to Jesus one time. And this happened a lot to Jesus. He'd have all these poor people around him. Um, and the poor people just flocked to Jesus, people who needed something. Um, honestly, they came not because they believed he was God, but most of them came because they wanted food. And he was like, Bing, there's fish and loaves for everybody, you know, kind of miracle God. He, they also came because they couldn't afford any kind of health care at that point, and sometimes he would just heal people right there on the spot. And so they started following because of that. And, but every now and then, somebody who was rich, somebody who was well-known and, and kind of had some authority, um, would show up in the circle around Jesus. And, and this, one of my favorite stories is Jesus is, is teaching, and he's talking about um, the difference between a, a sort of the sparkler faith and the real faith, the, the thing that actually fits in your life and makes sense and, and actually changes the way you behave and the way you think and the way you treat people, all of those things. And this rich guy came up to the circle. And Jesus is just teaching, and he's pointing and talking and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, this rich guy comes, and you know exactly what, that he's rich because they, you wore it. I mean, you literally would wear clothes and colors that would would denote that you were rich often you might be carrying you know you might be pulling a mule that had things on it so people would know you know it's crazy to think about that but um, <coughs> it's a lot of reason people drive mercedes now you know you just you just want people to know right you just want people to know i could afford whatever i wanted to or i could afford something you can't and this ha this was even worse in in, in jesus's time than it is now or maybe at least different and this man walked up and somehow everyone around knew this dude's got money and not only does he have money, but they, they called him a ruler. Um, and that was that he had some authority. And honestly, in our culture even, money often comes with authority, right? Or authority comes with money. I'm not sure which comes first. But the same thing happened there. This guy had money, and he had authority. And on top of that, Jesus, or the, the, the scripture also calls him young. <laughs> so not only, because often, you know, if you've got a lot of money and you've got a lot of authority, it's taken a while for you to get there, and you're probably at the end of your life, or you're getting ready to retire, you're kind of... But not, this guy had it all. 
He was young, he was rich, and he had authority. And somehow everyone in the circle knew that. And he came to Jesus and he said, what do I have to do to get this thing that you're talking about? And what Jesus was talking about at that point wasn't just heaven. It wasn't just what happens after you die. It was a different kind of life. It was a life that is connected to God in a different way, in a way that gives you a peace, a hope, and a joy that you can't get from anything else. And, and this guy, this rich ruler, walks by. Here's Jesus talking about it. My guess is he didn't just hear him talking about it. He'd probably heard somebody else talking about it, and he went to go find Jesus. Many, maybe how like some of you came here today. And, and when he came to Jesus, this guy kind of parts the crowds, and he says, Teacher, Jesus, what do I have to do to have that kind of a life? What do I have to do to be so connected to God that I have a hope, a faith, and a joy that feels like that? And it shocked the people because he is the guy that you think has it all, right? Don't you do this? You watch TV if you're watching the Wimbledon right now and you see the, the royalty section. You get all the celebrities there and you get uh, Bradley Cooper's there with his hair blowing in the wind. Makes me so mad and I don't like how Risha looks at him. And I, <laughs> I, you got all these celebrities sitting there and you just think every time the pan, camera pans at them, you just think, man, that guy, that guy has it all, doesn't he? He's young. He's rich. He gets to do whatever he wants whenever he wants. He gets paid to be an actor. But man, you spend a little bit of time in a real interview with some of those people and, and you find out they feel like the guy that Jesus found. That, that there's something missing. This guy comes to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do? And Jesus looks at him and he realizes there's a whole lot of people listening. In fact, I believe this firmly. And this might me, make me sound like a crazy preacher, but that won't surprise you, right? I believe Jesus, when he said this to this man, he wasn't just thinking about the people around there, but Jesus knew that one day there would be groups of people 2,000 years from there listening to what he said. I believe that, may, that maybe not by name and maybe by name, I don't even know for that, but I believe that Jesus was cognitively aware that you would hear what it was, he was about to say to this man. This man who had everything, who everybody thought had everything they ever wanted. They, he had the money, he had the riches, he had the youth, he had all of it. And he didn't have what he was looking for. And Jesus said, well, what are you looking for? He says, I want that kind of life. I want that thing that I've been searching for that I can't find in anything else. And Jesus said, here's what you need to do. <laughs> you need to give it all away. All the people around went, ooh, you know? Can you imagine? I mean, this is what this no guy is known for. This is the only thing he has. His, his youth, his money, and his authority. Give it all away. Wait a minute, Jesus. You didn't make anybody else give all their stuff away. It's not a problem for them. For one thing, they don't have much, and they haven't put all their hopes and dreams into this. I'm telling you right now that what you need to do is give up all of that stuff. You need to change your priorities. You need to put God first, and you need to give it all up. In fact, you are so intent that that is the thing that's going to bring you the hope and peace and joy that you will never, ever get that firework, real firework relationship with God until you can give up the things that you believe are more important than him. It was a huge moment. Now, one of the reasons I love the Bible and one of the reasons I believe the Bible is true is because if it was just a fairy tale, you know the way that story would have ended? It would have ended like this. And then the man gave all of his stuff away and followed Jesus the rest of his life. And everybody claps, but that's not how the story ends. Because it's a real story. The Bible says the man walked away sad. 
It's one of the saddest stories in the Bible, if you ask me. It's rejection. It's somebody who has said, I know there is something better than the way I'm living my life. I can see it. I know that what I have is not what I'm looking for. And I see that there's something better, but I'm choosing to hold on to the things that aren't bringing me the peace that I'm looking for. I can't imagine how sad it would be to be Jesus in that situation. The people around Jesus were being led to this. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. See, it says, this is what makes us different. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Isn't that a cool thought? Maybe, maybe this is something you ought to write down today or, or at least think about. Um, anchor for the soul. The idea is this. You, you know, if you've fished at all, you know that what, what an anchor is good for. If you don't have an anchor on a windy day and you've got a cheap John boat, you're not fishing, right? Like if you don't have an anchor and, and, you, and you've got a cheap John boat and the wind is blowing like crazy, you're, you're either going to fish where the wind tells you to fish <laughs> or you've got to load it on a trailer and go home. I, I grew up this way. In fact, sometimes my dad would buy the cheapest anchor he could find. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, and my dad often bought the boat with the holes in it that we'd have to bail. You've heard me tell that story. Guys, it's time to bail, and we'd have to bail all the water out. And usually he would go to Walmart, or at that point, this was before Walmart, it was Kmart. He would go to Kmart, and he would buy the very cheapest anchor they could, that he could find. And sometimes he'd have to buy two because they were so light. And if, if it got really windy, if it was really windy outside, we just knew. We're either trolling, which if you're a fisherman, you know what that means. It means you just throw your line out, and wherever the boat's going, that's what you're fishing for and where you're fishing. Or we're going to get blown all over the lake today. And these cheap little anchors would not hold us. <laughs> the writer of Hebrews says, are you tired of living that way? Are you tired of thinking that a 401k is enough anchor in your life to when the winds come up? to hold you where you want to be? See, this is what happens. You put all your hope and joy, all of your hope in, in finances. You put all your hope in the big screen TV. You put all your hope in that girl that you think is pretty at the bar. You put all your hope in this thing, and it might be okay for right now, but as soon as the wind picks up, you're going to drift. You're going to find yourself drifting into places you would have never dreamed, doing things, with people, or to people, that you would have never anticipated doing. The writer of Hebrews says, but we have something more. We have a hope that can be an anchor. Anchors are really good when they're sitting in the bottom of the boat. They're fine. You know, I used to get tangled up on dads. He always had the, he had the anchor, and then he had a rope that was about 600 feet long, which is funny because we, we never fished in more than 12 feet of water. I don't know why he had so much anchor rope. But we'd have this anchor, and then we have all this anchor rope, and I got my fish hook stuck in it. I always get my feet wrapped around it. It was kind of a mess. And I used to think, why do we need this anchor until it got windy? And when the storms rise, and you want to stay where you want to stay, it's that kind of anchor you're looking for. Writer of Hebrews says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. If you're here today and you're not sure about the whole God thing, but I know one thing you are sure about, that whatever anchor you have in your life isn't strong enough. So why not try this one? Here's the thing about this kind of a soul. 
Here's the thing about this kind of an anchor. A redeemed soul that has taken on that sort of an anchor, that relationship with God in a different way, is a soul that's not at risk. Can you imagine what that would feel like? You know, as a, as a preacher, um, and as your preacher, I often um, think we're doing better as, than we are when it comes to leading people to a relationship with God and to a, that anchor. And I, I think we're doing really well, and then it gets windy, and we start hearing something about um, a terrorist attack. And it feels too close to home. And I start seeing the way people really feel about their soul. They start wanting to arm themselves. <laughs> they start wanting to go after people. They start yelling. They start throwing things digitally on Facebook. They start throwing fits. They start being things that I never believed they would be. And I start realizing, I thought your anchor was different than it is. A redeemed soul is a soul that just isn't even at risk. You know, this happens throughout history. One of the guys that happened with was a guy named Paul. Um, he was a writer. Um, he was a, a guy that uh, was really, really close to God, wanted to spend his, his whole life doing something for God, and actually just had it wrong for a while. He believed that God wanted him to, to, to keep the Christians at bay. He, wanted, he felt like Christians weren't the right thing, that Jesus wasn't who he said he was, and so he just attacked Christians. He put them in jail. He did a lot of damage until one time God just knocked him off his horse. And um, he was dry, riding a horse, big light came down, shine on him, and just said, Paul, you, you need to be working for this and not against it. And whatever you believe about Paul and the Bible, it completely changed history. That moment that Paul had um, on the horse in the woods changed history. Because he went from a Christian killer to a, the biggest Christian of them all and to leading the Christian movement. In fact, most of the churches in Europe came about because of Paul. What he would do is he would get... He would get so excited about sharing this real hope, this real anchor, that he would, he would get in these old rickety boats. He would get in these old wooden rickety boats to make my dad's John boat look like a ranger. I mean, it would, these boats were so scary that you would not get on a pond in them. And he was getting on the, on the, in the ocean on these boats, these rickety, terrible boats. And he would go from one place to another. We don't know exactly how many times he was shipwrecked. How many times he would get in a boat and just kind of end up on an island because his boat would explode. And he would swim to the shore and then he would start a church there. And he would, he would start this church and then he would build another boat and go to another place. And this is the way he started his ministry. And we've got these letters from him that he wrote to each of these churches as he went from the next. And he says this in, a, in one of his letters to a, a church in Rome. He says this, I am convinced that neither death nor life now, this is a man who is riding in a rickety boat a lot and who, when he finally does get to shore, often is having Roman soldiers attack him with swords, looking for caves, sometimes standing up and taking beatings in public because of what he believes. This man knows life and death. Some of you know life and death. You've been close to it. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, that means that I know some of you feel like that there's a spiritual world that you need to be scared of. If you're close to Jesus, you need to know. He's already beat it. You have nothing to be afraid of. This is Paul saying, no demon overtakes a human with the blood of Jesus on their, on their body. He says, no angels, no demons. Neither the present nor the future. Neither what I'm going through right this moment, whatever you're going through, whatever he's going through. I, I think he probably wrote this from jail where he, he was thinking he was going to be flogged and, immediate, and, and eventually would be killed. Neither, neither the, the, the present thing I'm going through or anything in the future, no matter how bad it is, 
So neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither what's happening to me right now or whatever will happen to me in the power, nor any power, nobody who thinks they have power over me, neither height. He used to climb mountains, got thrown off of cliffs. People pushed him off of high places. Or the depths where you know he had to be scared for his life falling out of a rickety boat in the middle of the ocean. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation, that pretty much covers it, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to know what it looks like to have hope like that? You want to know what it looks like to have hope that is a real anchor in your life towards peace and joy in your life? It looks like this. It looks like being convinced that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in your life. What would it look like in your life if you truly believed that your soul wasn't at risk? You know, I used to think when, when I was a kid, I'd hear these stories about people who gave their life to things, whether it was, you know, whether it was a, a military story or um, I, when I went to Bible college, I heard a lot about missionaries. I heard about a man named Jim Elliott. If you've ever heard about Jim Elliott, you, you should Google him. Amazing story about a man who just, um, he, he believed so fervently um, that God was who he says he was, and he had this anchor. He literally just had no fear of his soul. Now, he had fear of his body, <laughs> still scared to death of dying, but he ended up being killed on the mission field, and it's an amazing story. And, and you hear stories like that, and you just think, wow, that is a different kind of person, right? You go, man, I just wish I could be that kind of person. Here's what I'm learning the older I get, that it's not a different kind of person. It's a different kind of anchor. It's a different kind of faith. When you can go, what, what if... What if I really believed? But not, not what if I sat in an orange pew on a Sunday morning, nodded my head when the preacher talked, sang a few songs and went home and had sort of the sparkler and snaps kind of faith. But what if I had the mortar and explosion kind of faith? The kind of faith that was so real. It was the kind of faith that, that made me really believe that there is nothing risking my soul. What would it do? Would it change how you live? Would it change how you work? For it to feel real, here's what I believe it takes. I tried to make this as short as possible. I'm going to be done in seven minutes. Nine. Here's what your soul needs for it to feel real. Now, you're not going to be able to check these things off a list today and by two o'clock go, man, the preacher was right. This is a lot of stuff. This is a long journey and that's the cool thing the journey is the point for it to feel real the bible says you need to have you need to be with god that's part of the advantage of being at church you need to know if you're if you're visiting here the way we feel about church we want you sitting here on sunday mornings and we want you here every time our doors are open not because we believe god is taking attendance god does not take attendance and if you're just kind of kicking the tires trying to figure out whether God's on your side or not, the way to get God on your side is not to come to church. You don't get God on your side. He doesn't look at it and go, well, should I give him the lottery ticket that wins or not? How many times has he been to church in this summer, you know? That's not the way God operates. Never has. The reason we want you here is because it's good for the path of your soul. It is good for you to have a moment to go, you mean all these people are feeling the same thing I am? You mean we all can go together towards a 
a stronger anchor in our life and towards the hope and the joy we've all been looking for, you need to be with God. If you're not with God on a regular basis, if you're having a hard time understanding what that feels like to be with God all the time, every day during your life, show up here and start there because we can, we can start to kind of allow God to do his thing in us together here at church. But the next, next step in that is to, to invite God into your life every moment. Being with my mom and dad, um, we've lived with them now for a year and a half or maybe 11 years. I can't remember which. <sighs> it's been awesome. I mean, amazing time we've lived with my parents. We're, we're buying their house, and they're building a house on the property, and it's been awesome. And we moved in with them as this whole transition goes, and we moved from you know around 2,000 square feet to around 350 square feet as a family um, upstairs. And, and it has been crazy, and it has been cramped, and it has been amazing. And one of the things that it has taught me is what it really looks like, for real, for somebody to be with God on a regular basis. There is nothing that happens in my house around our table or out in the front yard or on the front porch or standing in a car in the driveway where God isn't invited. Every time somebody comes onto our property, we have people all the time. There'll be people out there today. After church, my mom has baked spaghetti. Allison will tell you. Baked spaghetti every Sunday, and who knows how many people comes, and it's like a miracle every week. Mom makes one crock pot, and no matter how many people comes, um, we have just enough, and then Allison takes home all the rest. <laughs> but but we, we have, it's like we just have this group full of people, and no matter what, Allison could tell you this. She's, she's living out there with us half the time. Um, and many of you have been out there too. No matter what, no matter what problems arise around these tables, no matter what happens, there's always this moment where my mom or dad will lead you back to that anchor. This moment where they'll either tell you a story that will remind you not of how good they are, but of how good God is. Or they'll just say, my mom does this all the time. My dad does too. We just need to pray because I don't know the answer. But I know who does. And this is what it looks like. There is not a moment. I don't care if we're mad at each other. I don't care if we're yelling at each other. I don't care if it's been a bad day and you've got another bill. In the, whatever it is, there's this moment in my family and in my house that I want my kids to experience for the rest of their life. When my parents move out, that's staying. I told Risha this last week. When my parents move out, that is going to stay in this home. This will be a place where God will live and be it will not be a Sunday morning family in my house. It will not be a sparkler faith in my place. And it's not because I'm a good person, and it's not because I'm somehow spiritual or I know more about the Bible. It's because I have seen that a real anchor, that a real life firework mortar anchor is the real way to love my family. It's the real way to provide peace and hope and joy to the people, to the humans on this planet that I care about the most. That's what I want, and it's accessible to you. You need rest. You need rest. It sounds. I'm glad my wife isn't in here right now, because it sounds funny from a guy who works 75 hours this week and is going to preach and then get on a plane and leave for Denver. So I need to tell you, I don't know how to do it yet. I'm a mess when it comes to rest. It's part of the reason God's calling me away for a while. Because I've got to figure this out, and you've got to figure this out. You've got to figure out how not to feel guilty when you stop. You've got to figure out how to stop. You've got to figure out how to take a Saturday or a Sunday or a moment and just be. And not just because you need it physically, and not just because your family needs you around, but because this is what gives quiet moments and gives pause and allows you to turn down the volume of your life to hear from God. 
That one minute we get on Sunday mornings is not enough. You need freedom. Your soul, in order to get to the anchor, you need freedom. Here's what I mean by freedom. You're going to expect me to say this, but I'm going I'm to say it anyway. Sometimes I like to be unexpected, but sometimes I just got to say it. Some of you are living in sin. Here's what I mean by sin. See, it sounds preachery, I know. What I mean is that you are making choices on a regular basis that you don't want to make. Things that you know are leading that you down a path that you never want to go. You are doing things that you feel out of control with. The same guy who, just, who wrote that thing where he says, uh, neither life nor death nor any of that can keep me from the love of God. The same guy wrote this. He wrote, I don't know what's wrong with me. There's like another me. <laughs> there's like this me that wants to do the right thing, and then there's this me that does whatever he wants. He wrote that too in the Bible. And it, you've got to face the other you. Some of you are addicted to porn right now. Your soul needs freedom. And that's constricting. Some of you are addicted to drugs. Some of you are addicted to gossip. Or to hearing about gossip. By the way, if you're not saying gossip, but you really love to hear it, you're still a gossiper. It's this freedom. Our soul is desperate for freedom. Blessing. You know what it takes to, be, to feel blessed? This is what I've found out lately. Maybe it's different for you. This is just my life. What it feels like, what it takes to feel blessed is to stop and look around. If you don't stop and take a look at your life from perspective, if you don't sit on the porch swing every now and then and look at your life, look at your kids playing, or sit at the, the table and watch everybody laugh, if you're just continuing to move, you're always going to feel like the guy next door has more than you do. You're always going to feel like you're unlucky. Or why don't I have this? Or why don't I have that? It takes rest and it takes intentionality. And when you get rest, when you get free, you get this thing that the world calls satisfaction. Mick Jagger called it that anyway. He, he couldn't get none. You know what that feels like, right? I can't get, I get that stuck in my head all the time. It's a great theme song for the world. Because I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. I tried to buy that, and I tried to get that, and I tried to sleep with her, and I tried to smoke that, and I tried to eat that. And then I tried to eat until I couldn't eat anymore. And then I tried to drink until I couldn't drink anymore. And then I tried to smoke, and then I tried to, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I can't get no satisfaction. And you're not going to either until you realize it only comes from one place. It comes from a relationship with your Creator. It comes from what my mom and dad have showed my family in this past year and a half. A constant pursuit of God in your home and in your life. It leads to this thing that even in the midst of hard times and when the wind blows, that you just feel like it's right. And when you do, it leads to this thing called gratitude. Where you just sit back and go, wow, I don't deserve this band you guys can come up I think I'm sticking to my nine minutes so what now I'm putting this in the wrong place what do you do with all that today if, you, if you're like me I mean I I'm preaching to myself this morning I do it every week I wish I could sit out there and listen to what God's saying sometimes but what do you do with all this if you feel like today I've got a sparkler faith, 
Or maybe you're not even that far. Maybe you're the pooping dog kind of faith, you know? <laughs> the thing that just, what is that and why does it even exist, you know? Maybe that's where you are with your faith. Or maybe you're the place where you used to be a mortar, but now every time it comes time to use it, you're just like, woo, and it's over. It's time to, to take a look at your faith. Is it real? Like, for real. Is this something that around the dining room table, around the kitchen table, in the car, when you go to the mailbox, when, when Risha and I were struggling so bad with our business, I remember walking to the mailbox and praying so hard as I walked to the mailbox. Praying for things to be, some things to be there and other things not to be there. God, please don't let it be an IRS note, and God, please let it be a check. I remember going and praying exactly that over and over, God. And even the, the things that we do with God. God, if you this, then I'll do that. It's ridiculous thinking back on. If it's this time, then I'll never do that again. And if it's this, I'll never. I remember praying and having this struggle with God. And then we sold our company, and I lost that. I lost that desperation. And my prayers changed. Maybe you're in a place where things have changed, and they've gotten a little better for you, and you've gotten complacent. I want to let you know today that there is something that God talks about that you've probably heard before and you don't want to hear, but I'm going to say it anyway because it can change your life. Confession, that is saying what's going on in your life. It's one of the best things for your soul. One of the best things is to call it what it is. One of the best things that ever happened with Reese and I is that he said, Dad, these sparklers aren't cutting it. This is not going to do it for me. Maybe some of you today need to confess. Maybe you need to do it to another human. Maybe you just need to confess to God. I see the mess I've made. Today, I would just like to convince you to get your soul right at all costs. Whatever it takes. Whether you don't like me, you don't like my sermon, you don't like churches, whatever it is, if there's a reason you're not coming to church, if you're listening to this online, or if you came to church and you're still not sure about all this stuff, whatever reasons you have for not wanting church, fine. But get your soul right, because it's the thing you've been looking for. Change your life habits. And then the last thing is just do this for real. Here's the thing about Reese. He's laying on me after the fireworks and his big long day, all agenda items completed. He's laying on me and he said, Dad, most epic day ever. It was worth whatever my brother spent on those fireworks. <laughs> Here's the thing I know about Reese, though. Next 4th of July, you think I'm going to be buying him sparklers? Because now he knows too much, right? Here's the thing, some of you have been accepting sparklers because you didn't know there was something else. You thought this was it. You thought that church on Sundays, feel guilty and then feel a little bit better, was all there was. The truth is, mortars are available. They're on sale. It's after fire. It's after 4th of July. That kind of faith, that kind of real-life anchor is available right here, right now. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to follow a checklist of things in order to receive that free gift from God. You just accept it. Today is your day. And here's what I know about you. Once you get a glimpse of real, sparkles will never cut it again. You'll be pursuing it the rest of your life. I'm thankful for you all.
thankful that you let me talk to you like this because the truth is this is for me as much as it is for you today. I want to step back there and I'll be glad to pray with you. I'm going to be praying for myself and for my family that I don't accept any 